grow and bear fruit in the local community. That's my task for today, and it really got me thinking about what it is to grow and what it is to bear fruit. So um, stick with me, and hopefully we'll learn together. Let me start with a quote from Henrietta Moore. She's an anthropologist um, from Oxford, and she does a lot about working in cities. And anybody who is working in cities at the moment, I want to read and learn about what they're doing, because I'm learning every day. She has just said that three million people move to her cities each week. That's in a world context. And she said by 2050, 2.5 billion people will be added to our city populations. So the big question she is, is how do you measure your city or what's going on in your city? And she said prosperity in our cities can no longer be thought of as in economic terms. We have to think about it in a different way. And she said, it's about flourishing and well-being. It's about the health of a society, social relationships, and having educated and satisfied citizens who have a choice and freedom. Now, bear that in mind and think about Tim Keller, who planted a church in New York. Um, He moved there about 25 years ago. And he has written a book called Loving Your City, And he talks about that passage in Jeremiah 29, verse 7. And really, this isn't a new concept. Jeremiah was talking about it years ago. And he talks, and um, 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 Keller has just put it into new words. And this is their vision statement for their church in New York, working in the city. He says, we seek to love our God and neighborhood by partnering with others to bring about a city that is a thriving and good place for all to live in. Roll forward to ourselves. Seven years ago, Fitzroy said, we really want to look at our city and our neighbourhood in a new way. And we took upon ourselves to look at what Tear Fund were doing. And um, we did the Tear Fund fund audit. And what came out of that audit was that we needed to partner with others who were doing things in the city And we needed to stand alongside them and bring the love of Christ out through the doors of the church into our community. And I was asked to be part of that. Now, how how has that been going and where is the fruit and the growth? Well, our passage today, and thank you, Helen, for a great introduction. Um, That is so true. As you read that part about, I am the vine, you are the branches. If any remain in me and I remain in them, they then produce much fruit But without me, you can't do anything. Peterson's translation of that says, make your home in God. Make him um, central to all you do. Live, breathe, be Christ in your ministry. Be Christ in your community. Um, And I think that is what Fitzroy has truly attempted to do in the local community. But I find myself again, I was just trying to tease this out, and I thought, who knows about this fruit of the Spirit? You know, who was working in a city and was constantly looking for that fruit? And I thought, the Apostle Paul, he talks about constantly. His ministry was a city-based ministry. He said, the city breathes through the language that he uses. He talks about debating in the squares. He talks about getting to know the traitors like Lydia, the seller of purple. He talks about uh, eating with the families and living in their homes and being part of their community. Um, he moved from city to city doing the same thing. He planted cells of Christians and scattered in scattered households throughout these cities. 
And he linked people from city to city and he got them talking to each other and sharing their ideas and their concepts and the things that they were learning. And then he wrote letters to them and he said, this is what you need to do. You need to be looking out for these fruits grown among yourselves. And what did he say? He said to the church in Philippi, he said, I want to see your love growing more and more. There's a fruit. Growing knowledge and understanding. See the difference between good and evil in your city. He said, you need to live pure lives. Um, He said, and with God's help, you can do many good things. Then he wrote to the church in Galatia and he said to them, the spirit will produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Again, fruits of things that God can do in our city. So that got me thinking, where is this fruit in our city at the moment and in our lives? Love growing more and more and the kindness. And I began to think about food bank. And I thought each week it takes 60 volunteers, many from here, um, working in this community to share food in four centres, and two of those are in Mornington. And that's headed up by Bruce and Brenda. Since it opened its doors in 2014, 12,878 people have been fed. 96 tonnes of food has been distributed. And the demand for emergency food is growing and growing as our government chooses to cut back on... on, um, well, money and other things in our community. So what am I saying? I'm saying the fruit that we see there is that love and kindness grown, and we can see God working through the work of Food Bank. Other fruit that I see, again, is love and joy. Through the Global Kitchen Programme down at Mornington and wider afield, I see asylum seekers, refugees and long-term unemployed come together to share recipes and prepare food together. They're learning new cooking skills. They're learning about hospitality. They're learning small business skills. The laughter, the joy and the sharing of stories over food preparation is amazing. Sometimes I watch and I think there should be tension here. They're all from different places and they don't, you know, they're just getting to know each other. But no, as they share and learn and spend time together preparing food and their own recipes from home, there is joy in the storytelling. Another fruit of love and joy. Another fruit is about knowledge and understanding and Paul talks about that for the church in Philippi. As I moved into the community and interacted with the other community groups in the area, like the Markets and Donegal Pass and the Lower Ormo Residence Association. What I realised, well, I knew it before we went, but um, I learned it more, uh, learned more about. We all came from different political and cultural backgrounds, <coughs> some from faith and others from no faith and who hated faith. And initially... They were a bit suspicious of me, and some weren't even suspicious. They just didn't like me at all. And um, often we talked about things like the School of Music, and we did that before we even knew we had the School of Music. Um, But I've learned a lot about patience and God's faithfulness. Although we never got monetary support from that community group we worked in, what I learned is I learned about working together with others. I learned that I had things to learn. I didn't know the answers. Many of these groups have been doing 
really good things. And they had been solving problems and working in the community, and I had stuff to learn. I have really enjoyed working together with them, solving problems around education, health, housing. And just recently, we wrote a joint letter to the Secretary of State about the 11% cuts that are happening in this area from um, the Belfast Regeneration Office. And we described our working together as reconciliation with fate. That threw me back to that passage again of what fruit are we looking for. We're looking for peace and to, go, to create peace in our communities. And I thought, there's an example of working at peace together and having reconciliation with fate. Then I thought about faithfulness as another fruit. And last night I was at the Androcid, um Gala Dinner down in the Titanic um, Hotel. It's really lovely. It's a lovely night. Anyway, that, that's one of the hardships of doing this job. But anyway, uh, Androcid, um, they were having their gala dinner, and I was talking to Fanula, who organised it, and we work very closely with Fanula on many things. And I just said to her, I've got to speak in Fitzroy the morning, in the morning. What difference does it make having Fitzroy or other groups working alongside you? And this is what she said. It makes my job so much easier when we work together. She was talking about her community outreach programme and sharing the Irish language to many. She said, Heather, three weeks ago when those 32 theology students from Queen's came down to meet me, she said, I would have had to have gone out and found 32 people to share the message, but you brought them down to the site. And she said, now I'm meeting with four of them and we're looking at more detail about the Irish language and how it is a language that can have benefits for all. She said, when I was a young girl growing up in the short strand, I decided one day I don't want to live in a small community where I just survive. She said, I wanted to live life to the full. This is what she said to me last night. She said, I want to be involved in a community through the Irish language where I was being involved in a community and developing people and my community. Through that partnership with Androcid, we have had the opportunity to set up the first ever Irish English uh, after-school uh, group in all of Northern, or in all of Ireland, actually. We have 16 children there every day, and we um, work with their parents as well. That is a fruit, again, of just faithfulness. It's taken seven years to build those relationships and have that level of trust. But God is working there and changing people's lives, and I'm delighted to be part of that. Another one, then, is about helping others, kindness, gentleness, and faithfulness. Through the nurturing program um, down in Mornington, I'll just give you a quote from Mary. Mary is not her real name. Um, She was meeting with the clinical psychologist. Well, a group of the parents down in Androcid were meeting with the clinical psychologist about how to run families um, within the school. And um, Mary spoke up, and she said... Look, we've been learning all about that over in the Mornington Community Centre. There's a course there, a nurturing family course run by Anne and Brenda. I think you should go along and see what they do. So I thought that was quite a good um, um, statement about what was happening in Mornington and um, Mary should advertise on our behalf. But anyway, it was another piece of that kindness, gentleness and faithfulness that is going on. So in conclusion, let me leave you with a story. And it's a story of my own childhood 
when I grew up, I grew up in the country and um, at the foot of Sleeve Gallion Mountain, and my father had sheep on the mountain. But every year he um, also did something interesting. He used to plant a field of turnips. And we, this used to be the Stanton joke in the house because if you couldn't find him, he was in the field of turnips. He was either out thinning them, weeding them, or whatever. And I have memories of him being out there on his knees with his turnips or having the tractor doing stuff around the edges. But anyway, at one point then we would get a few of the turnips would come in and we'd, we'd eat them or they'd be there for the rest of the winter. But in November, at the end of November, he opened the mountain gate and he let all the sheep come from the mountain into his field of turnips. And what did they do? Those turnips provide nourishment and um, health and life-giving to those sheep as they um, were waiting to have their lambs. That picture brought um, home to me, and I just shared it, actually. The story, I haven't thought of that for years. I just thought of it at the women's group uh, as we sang the other night. The fruit that God produces in us has a direct impact on the people we work with and on the community that we live and breathe in. Just like those turnips, They are the fruit um, of somebody working hard. The fruit that we leave behind are those things, the love, joy, peace, thankfulness, faithfulness, whatever. My question today as I leave is, where can you grow and produce fruit in our city? Where is there an opportunity for you to grow in love, patience and knowledge? We need to continue to sow those seeds and God will bring about the growth and change in our city. And I'll just leave you with the words of Keller again. Seek to love our God and our city neighbourhood to bring about a city that is thriving and a good place for all to live in. Thank you. So last year in Northern Ireland, um, 50.3% of girls went to university after finishing um, secondary school, so that was over half of us. However, in Uganda, 71% of girls drop out of school before they even reach P7, only one-fifth go to secondary school, and 85% of girls don't even finish secondary school. So why is this? Is it because we're much smarter over here? Is it because we dream bigger? In Uganda, along with many other countries, like Christine was saying earlier, women are very much seen as second-class citizens. So they're not prioritised in their families to go to school, and boys are usually sent first, even if they're younger. So another reason they do not finish school is simply because they're girls. Due to the lack of education about their own bodies and the taboo that surrounds them, they are forced to take days off school. This leads to so much school being missed that they simply drop out or are kept behind in years. And this was very apparent in Onioleku, as some of the P7 girls we were chatting with were about 16 years old. So this is why I Am Girl is so important. These girls really have no idea what is happening to their bodies or why, and it's such a taboo subject that even their own mothers don't tell them what's happening. We spoke to some of the girls, um, and they told us things like they thought they were dying, and this girl, after telling her parents what was wrong with her, um, they still wouldn't even explain what was happening, and she was eventually told by her older brother that what was wrong with her was in fact normal, and she shouldn't be afraid. So in the I Am Girl program, um, we teach girls exactly what is happening to them, so there is no confusion or misunderstanding. We teach them about pregnancy and how it actually comes about, and also how to practically deal with menstruation in the form of reusable pads, which many of the women were making for us last summer. 
Um, however, it is not just about teaching them about their bodies and what it means to be a girl, but it's also about empowerment. They really are seen as second-class citizens and property of their families, and with so many not continuing in education, it stays this way. So fields of life work to build these girls up and to give them confidence in themselves and in the Lord. Like it says in Deuteronomy 31.6, um, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So we encourage these girls to understand their own potential and that they can be just as successful as their male counterparts. We discussed a lot about where they see themselves in the future and they all had such high aspirations, but they didn't realise that they actually needed to stay in education to fulfil them. So this is why their education is so important. We equip them to understand their own bodies and so continue in education so that they can go on and bear fruits within their own lives. In Fields of Life mission statement, they want these girls to grow in confidence as healthy young women so that in time their own children will then have better opportunities in the future. So as it says in John 15, like Joy and Amanda read earlier, verse 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And this is really the main point here. It's about fruit that will last. So we want these girls to grow up with confidence and reassurance in the Lord that they too are made in his image. Like it says, we did not choose him, he chose us. And these girls therefore deserve everything in life as much as boys. So this is why we are hoping to build the washroom in Onialaku so that these girls no longer have to feel embarrassed or scared to come to school each month. They can continue properly in their education and thus go on to bear fruit in their lives and fruit that will last. As Holly mentioned, the girls had great ambitions. It was great to hear. Some wanted to be nurses, some to be teachers, to be doctors, lawyers, and even somebody wanted to be the president of their country. So that's fantastic. Um, and it's great to see that, especially this year, uh, week. I was at an event um, for International Women's Day, and they showed a photograph of northern Uganda 20 years ago. And that was when... Um, the Lord's Resistance Army was there, and it was a bit like Nigeria, where girls were taken from their families and schools. And just to see that things have changed, um, but like here, um, that those circumstances take a long time to change, and someday it's sometimes it's the least uh, well-off who can take uh, those opportunities. And I think that's part of our role there is to support girls, uh, particularly in a really poor rural area, and boys as well. Uh, and so when we were doing the course, we met this fantastic girl, Mercy, who had real uh, uh, leadership qualities and supported us actually in doing the course. But near the end, we realized that if we went back this year, she probably wouldn't be there um, because she comes from a very big family uh, mostly boys and the, the, the money wasn't there to send her on to school and I remember really not wanting to say goodbye because I felt I might get a bit choked up and also hoped maybe we could do something to change that so we came home and we thought about it and we thought we needed to support some of the bigger uh, pupils who were going through school because they haven't been supported by Fitzroy uh, and we particularly made a decision to support the top two girls and one boy each year because, as Holly said, the statistics are that girls would be more likely to drop out. Uh, and also the statistics show that if you educate a girl, it's one of the most important issues uh, to support the health of her children. So we want to invest in the future. 
So we do ask you to pray for the girls uh, and the boy as well, but just because it's, it is a women's service. So Jovian is 14. She lives with her aunt, uh, and she has three brothers and four sisters, and she likes maths, and she wants to be an accountant. Mercy is 15 years old, and we were delighted that Mercy, we wanted to be fair and say who are the top students, uh, and Mercy unfortunately was one of them. And she has eight brothers and three sisters. She also likes maths, so there must be a good maths teacher there in the school, because I noticed that Maggie, the boy, also likes maths too. Uh, And she wants to be a lawyer, and she likes netball, and her favourite colour is orange. So think of those girls this week and pray for them. Pray for them in the new school, that they'll be safe. Uh, We hope to meet them when we go there this time, that they'll thrive, and they'll know the deepness of God's love in this new stage of their lives. It could be a long time. If they're 15, they'll not be, they won't be going, uh, starting their careers in their early 20s. It's probably more late 20s, mid 20s. Pray for them in this long journey. But also I met Christine, a lady who was a bursar in the school and hadn't had maybe a lot of chance of education. But what she said was when she came to Onaleku, she felt like she was under the umbrella of God's love. Uh, And that's an important part of the work that we're doing there. It's not just the education, but being surrounded by God's love. So in both the local and overseas work, I think that's our vision, that we would bear fruit, but that more people will come under the umbrella of God's love. Thank you.